My name is TJ, and today we'll be following um, the passage. Today's passage is Isaiah 53, 1-12. Please follow along in your own Bible or on the screen. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced from our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to his slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth, by oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. This is the reading of God's word. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to True North Church, and happy Easter Sunday. For those that are new or visiting for the first time, my name is Jay. I'm one of the pastoral staff members here, and I'm uh, really happy to see all of you, whether you are a regular member of our church or whether this is your first time. And especially for those that are visiting church for the first time in a long time, we want to welcome you and hope that you will be feel uh, welcomed and comfortable as we celebrate Easter together as a church. Now, Easter is a time when we celebrate the greatest event of all human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And today we want to focus our attention on the one who sovereignly orchestrated all the plan of redemption from the beginning of time, which is God the Father. And most of us are used to hearing about the story of Jesus and the work on the cross. And I want to uh, kind of step away from that today and talk a little bit about the role of the Father, the role of God the Father. Now, as I'm getting older, I'm making, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm realizing is that, you know, every human being has their own unique experience and story. And I remember hearing a sermon by a pastor a while back talking about how there's some of us uh, who may have a difficult time coming to faith in Jesus because we could not get past uh, just really the, the, the past trauma of, of our upbringings where perhaps your father was a source of that trauma. 
And for those that have experienced abuse or, or uh, you know, experienced difficult times, whether through their father or through their parents, uh, we want to be able to just really kind of speak into that as well. And I know that many of us, we do have complicated relationships with our parents. And, you know, and the idea that God is a good father can be uh, something that doesn't really resonate or connect with us. But, uh, you know, as we grow mature and as we grow older, many of us, we have come to grips with uh, just the fact that our, our, our human parents are, you know, they're, they're not perfect. Uh, they have errors. They, they are selfish at times. They have difficulties of their own. And even then, we still are not able to come to grips with some of the difficulties that we experience. So therefore, uh, it is important for us to have a correct view of uh, who, what I believe is the, the greatest father of all, God the Father, that he is described in scripture as one who is fa a father of love, one who is perfect, one who cares deeply for us. And this Easter, I want us to really focus in on that, especially his love. The fact that even though, even on this earth, we may have experienced an imperfect love from our parents, that what is at our disposal is the perfect and selfless love of God the Father, one who is sovereign, one who is omniscient, one who is omnipotent through all things. So today, We'll see the love of the Father as he's described, and we're going to see that God uh, d displays his love through his sorrow and grief. We're going to see that the God, the Father, displays his love uh, through his sacrifice. And lastly, we're going to see that God shows and displays his love through his joy in celebrating the success of his son, Jesus, as he resurrects from the dead. So first, we're going to talk about the Father of sorrow, the fact that God, our Father, is also one who experiences deep grief and deep sadness. Now here in this passage in Isaiah chapter 53, it's a very famous passage really speaking about the fulfillment of the prophecy of, of Jesus Christ as, as he's come down to earth and to take away our sins. And he is described as a man of sorrows, one who is rejected by the very people he has come to save. One who is despised, who is not looked upon kindly because he was not very impressive. And when we think about Jesus being described as the man of sorrows, we also have to think about the, the reality that Jesus is the perfect representation of God the Father. In one of the New Testament passages in John, one of Jesus' disciples, he asked Jesus this question. He says, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And in Colossians, Apostle Paul, he writes this. He says, he, speaking of Jesus, is the invisible God, the, uh, the, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creations. So what we gather from that, oh, sorry, guys, my, my cheeks is too fat. It's rubbing against the mic. It's just really bothering me. Hello. Okay. Back to our regular programming. So what we get from that is this, that the descriptions that we feel and that we read about Jesus in, in, the script, in the Bible is also the very descriptions of who God the Father is. That they being one God in three persons, that when the Bible describes Jesus as one who is a man of sorrows filled with grief, that our God the Father is also that same description. So when it says that he was despised and rejected by men, that God the Father was also despised and rejected by men. And when we think about this idea of sorrow and grief, it is something that perhaps in our culture, in our day and age, it's something that 
we, we, we tend to run away from. Right? It's something, especially in the church, that maybe you grew up in the church and you were always experienced or, or taught that sorrow and grief has no place in our lives because we should be Christians filled with joy and, and hope and, and, and exuberance. And also just this idea that we as human beings, we, we almost are very allergic to sorrow and grief. Right? We don't know how to react to it. We don't know how to express it, and we don't know how to be present in it. Now, um, I believe that uh, I, I've lived a blessed life, and uh, me personally, I haven't experienced uh, any like deep, intimate loss in my life. The only loss that I can really share with you is uh, my dog that I had growing up. Her name was Angel. Um, she was 10 years old. She was a lopso opso. If you don't know what a lopso opso is, it's a shih tzu, but like a little longer, okay? Um, and uh, I remember I went home. I, I went away for college my freshman year. And then I came home for my first winter break, and I'm like, Angel, you know, I'm like waiting for my dog, and my mom's like, she's dead. And I was like, what the heck? Like, we put her to sleep. I was like, what the And like, they didn't even tell me. You know, that was the end. And then I just cried by myself in my room. I was like, oh, Angel, you know, because you know, it was a dog that I had when I was little. That, that was the, at, uh, up until very later on in my life, that was only the time when I felt like deep grief. Um, but a few years ago, um, you know, my, my middle son, he, he experienced a, he has a disorder, or, you know, he was experiencing a disorder called PANDAS, something that I, uh, you know, shared with many of you um, uh, early on. But it was at that moment where it, it was the first time I really experienced a deep sorrow and grief. Uh, and it's, it's a neurological disorder, and, and it was something that, you know, in his brain, he was just, he just could not uh, function properly. And uh, there would be nights where I was just, like, seeing him just struggle, and I was just like, what, what is this that I'm feeling? It, it, was, it, was, it was painful. And in this passage, when it talks about sorrow and grief, a better translation to those words is pain and illness. Pain and illness. And what we often forget is that when we experience a deep sorrow and grief, right, and some of you have experienced this before, it hurts. There's a pain to it in which we don't know what the remedy is. We don't know how to uh, uh, resolve that pain. And it is that very pain in which God the Father sends his son into the world that he's described as a man of sorrows, one who's experiencing pain and illness in the deepest recesses of his soul because he understood the plan of redemption in which God the Father had sent him. In that same way, the deepest agony that I've ever experienced was sitting idly by, witnessing my son struggle so much with, with an illness that we had no idea what it was. Now, if you are a parent today, you, you kind of know that experience, right? You know that feeling of seeing and watching your children struggle and knowing that there's nothing that you can do about it. You wish you could, but it's just so hard. And you may not even be a parent, but you've maybe witnessed the pain and struggle of those around you and, and, and suffered loss, and, and, and there was this, this deep pain inside you, and you didn't know what to do, and it hurt. And this is the, the very description of our God, that he is a God of sorrow and grief. And the question is, is, is how and why? How does this display the love of God? I believe it's, the answer is this, that God allows us in the way that he has created us 
the emotion of sorrow and grief because he knows that there is a benefit to it. And not only that, but he describes himself as a God of sorrow, a man of sorrow and a man of grief. Because what he is saying is that in the deepest hurt and pain that you will experience on this earth, I am not a God that is distant, but I will be a God that will be ever present in your midst. Because I believe, I mean, I, I, I don't do well with emotion, okay? especially grief and sorrow, because I, I don't know how to react. And many of us are the same way. Right? Uh, I, we're, we're almost allergic to that emotion. The point where if we know that someone is grieving or in, in pain, we subconsciously or maybe purposely try to distance ourselves from them. And also to the point where if you are the one going through pain and suffering and sorrow, you are, are, are conditioned to try to put on a better face, to try to feel like, pretend that you're okay so that you do not make others around you feel uncomfortable because that's the proper thing to do, right? And you come into a church or a place like, of worship like this, and, and people might say, oh, don't be down. Be happy. Be joyful. Right? God has given you every reason to be joyful, and they may list off a lot of these things about all the good things in your life, and yet there's a deep pain and agony that you don't know how to deal in process. And by God sending his son and describing his son as a man of sorrows, and he himself experiencing the grief of knowing the, the mission in which he has sent his son, what he is saying is even in the midst of the greatest agony and grief and sorrow that the world is suffering because of sin, I do not distance myself from you, but I will enter into your life and be present in the midst of that pain. And there is nothing more loving there is nothing more gracious than someone who is willing to walk with you in your pain and agony. Someone who is willing to enter into that discomfort, enter into the, the, the pain of your sorrows and say, I don't know what I might do. I don't know what I'm supposed to say, but I will be with you. So God allows us this emotion because he is one who loves us. You know, and there's a couple things that, you know, a couple of points that I have in terms of how grief and sorrow is important for us. It, it builds resilience within us, right? Um, uh, it, it allows us, and, and like, I think about our older generation, um, they, they went through so much more than we did, right? For us, we're like, oh, the Uber's taking so long. You know, like, it, it, the older generation, like, they went through wars, they went through, like, de like real depression, and they went through, a time when, like, you know, food wasn't as good, uh, you, you know, like, think, it, it, I mean, that's just the fact, right? Food's delicious now. Like, 50 years ago, it wasn't that good, you know? Uh, and, and, and they're able to become very resilient, right? They're, they were able to, to push through the discomfort and the pain of, of, of deep sorrow and grief and loss, of, of political turmoil, of war, of separation of family, of, of immigration and all that. And, and we live a very comfortable life and we are so averse to anything that will make us uncomfortable that we have become more, much more fragile in our mentality and our physicality. So grief and sorrow, it builds resilience. Next, it also allows us to process our loss in a healthy way. Uh, many of us, we, we, are, we are in the, uh, 
we, we, we like to practice and process our loss by just ignoring it, right? Out of sight, out of mind. Um, and, and that trauma, it, it resurfaces at, at the, the worst times. So God allows us. He shows us his love by saying, no, grief and sorrow is an emotion that is not something that you should run away from. See, by God saying, I am also a God who has grieved, who is sorrowful. By Jesus being, being described as a man of sorrows and grief, he's saying, I allow you also to experience these emotions without feeling guilt, with, without feeling like you are being a burden, so that you may have the ability to process loss in a healthy way. And lastly, he allows us so that we can connect more intimately to others. One of the things that I, I think is, is the greatest sign of, of God's grace is Jesus being able to say, me too, to us. Like everything that we go through, every difficulty, every joy, every pain, every sorrow, every sadness, every success, Jesus is not a God who says, oh, I wish I could understand what that is. No, he says, I know fully what you are going through. I know fully what it means to be rejected by the people that we love. I know fully what it means uh, to feel the weight and burden of sin. I know fully what it means to want to uh, have people see something so clearly and yet they're blind to see it. And every struggle that we go through, he knows hunger, he knows pain, he knows sickness, he knows all, everything and he can say, me too. Because through his sorrow and through his grief, through his pain and through his agony, he connects to us in a very human level. So not only does God display his love through his sorrow and through his pain and through his grief, but we also see that God's, God's love is, is displayed to us by his sacrifice. <clears throat> see, in verse 5 through 7, uh, we see what he sacrifices. He says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. This very description is the sacrifice of Jesus. That though he was without sin, that he would suffer the ultimate agony of death and separation from God the Father upon the cross. And this is something that God sacrificed. Theologically, we believe in one God, in three persons. So Jesus Christ, as, as he is God, he, as he suffered upon the cross, as he was sacrificed, God the Father sacrificed a bit of himself, right? It's, 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 it's really his sacrifice of his son, the most precious being. The thing who, whom he loved the most, God, God the Father loves his son, his only begotten son, and yet he sacrifices that for our benefit. Now, I've been thinking a lot about um, my, my, my father and my family. My, my father is, you know, older in age now, and, and just thinking about um, just kind of like 
his journey in his life, right? And, and, and my, my, my parents, and, and this is something that, if, especially if you are a product of immigrant, immigrant parents, is something that uh, it should be real, real to you, right? And even if you are not, you understand that this, there's many things that your parents sacrificed. But you know, some of the things that I really uh, despise or didn't like about my parents are the very things that now that I'm thinking, I'm like, man, I can't believe they did that. You know, uh, when, I was, when I was six years old, my parents told me, uh, hey, we're going to the airport. You know, my, my parents are weird, okay? Um, and I went, we went to the airport in, in Seoul, Korea, right? Or not Seoul. I, the airport was somewhere else. I don't know. I don't know what the city is. It, it wasn't Incheon. I, I'm, that, I'm that old, okay? It was somewhere. Kyopyo? I don't know. Um, Kimpo? And then um, the only, my, my, I have a big family. I have a lot of uncles and aunts uh, on both sides. But the only aunt that was there was my mom's younger sister, and she was crying. I was like, why is she crying? You know, and then we get on the plane, and now I live in America, okay? <laughs> That's literally what happened, okay? And I think about that, and I'm like, my parents, they sacrificed their family, their relationships. Not only that, but their home, their, their, their comfort, their ability to communicate in their native language to live in a foreign land all so that I could have a better life, so that I could have a better education, so that I can live in, in, in the, the land of opportunity here in the United States. And not only that, they, they chose California, which is the greatest state to live in, right? Like the best weather. It, weather's finally getting good, right? Praise, praise the Lord, right? And I think about that, and I'm like, and now in my old age, I'm so like, appreciative of everything that they sacrificed for my sake. But their sacrifice also came at a cost. Because in human terms, their sacrifices also cause trauma and pain. I remember the difficulties of growing up, of being you know, nine years old, and having to translate for my parents important government documents. No nine-year-old should have that responsibility, right? My mom getting into a car accident and me speaking to the person that hit my mom's car and yelling at me. Like, well, and I'm like, what's, what's going on? But you hit, a, you hit my mom. And then having to call the insurance company and be like, uh, deduct, what's a, I have no idea what a deductible was. right? Calling the courthouse and saying why my parents can't go to jury duty because they cannot speak English. You know, and, and reading government documents and be like, I have no idea what this means. And they're like, how do you not know? We brought you here to America so that you will know these things, right? So there's also a negative aspect to that, to that, uh, to the sacrifice, right? And also thinking about just you know uh, the the absence or lack of presence of, of my dad, that you know, and I get it. He gave up so much. So in his free time, what does he want to do? He wants to drink and play golf, right? And maybe that's all they did. And maybe that's the only way he understood how to cope with the trauma of, of coming all the way to a land that is foreign. But for me, it was, I just want my dad around. I just want him to throw the baseball with me. And he's like, I don't even know what baseball is, right? And then my mom throwing the baseball with me. <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it, it's, it, it, so there's, there's a positive side to sacrifice, but there's also the negative side to it. There's also the difficulty and, and sometimes trauma that is created by it. Then we look at the story of God the Father. 
right? And, 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 and this is the thing, guys. Like, it doesn't matter what your story. We all have different stories. You may not share the same story as me, but you even know that the sacrifices that your parents made or did not make could have brought a lot of pain to us. Could have brought a lot of grief to us. And yet, here is the love of the Father. That not only does he make a sacrifice, he sacrifices the thing that is most precious to him. I believe my parents made the greatest sacrifice for me. But deep down, I know that they didn't sacrifice what is most precious to them. Because we're all humans. Right? It's impossible to do so. Because even so, their sacrifice was made so that they can save my children are going to be a success here in the United States. The very moment that I decided not to be a lawyer or a doctor, it, it pained them. They said, oh, you're going to be a pastor? Well, at least be a professor. Like, what's, what's the difference, right? My brother had it worse. He's older, so he had it way worse. I remember him getting rejected to college, and my dad coming to him and saying, hey, when my friends ask, tell them you chose UC Santa Barbara. Not because that was your only choice, but because you want to go there. I'm like, what's wrong with the Harvard of the West, right? <laughs> and here's the thing, right? Even in, in their good intentions to sacrifice for their children, there's pain and trauma. But here, God the Father displays his love. Because when he sacrificed his son, he sacrificed what was most precious to him without any burden or trauma or negativity that we receive. For we receive only the benefit of that sacrifice. For we receive every good that comes from that sacrifice, the reconciliation that we have with the Father, new life in Jesus Christ, the ability now to say that we have eternal life in heaven with Him, all without paying zero cost from ourselves, and that is the greatest love that we can ever imagine. Lastly, we see the Father's joy, and we see God's love displayed through his joy. Right? Easter is a time of, of joy and celebration, not only because we, what we receive through Jesus' death and resurrection, because it is also a time of celebrating with God the Father. In verses 10 and 11 of, of chapter 53, it says this, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He had put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. See, the joy of the Father is, is very clear. Him observing and seeing the success of his son brought him absolute satisfaction and joy. And this is true, especially if you are a parent. You may have experienced a little bit of this. There is no greater joy that I have experienced than in the success of my children. Whether it's academic, whether it's athletic, whether it's just even in their own maturing and growth. Like, um, I don't know anything about soccer but my son really wanted to play soccer, and they're like, you can't, he can't play because there's no coaches. I was like, I, I, I guess I'll be a coach, you know? And, um, 
and I don't even know what's going on, but when I see him running around, and, and then other parents are like, oh, he's good. I'm like, whoa, really? I am good. You know, like, it, it feels like that, right? Like, oh, really? You know? Uh, just, and, you know, just to see my daughter just, you know, grow and mature, and, and seeing my, my youngest, you know, just like going down ramps on a scooter, and everyone's like, I take him to a skate park, and then, you know, when he, even when he was, like, two years old, he was on, like, a two-wheel scooter going down ramps, and, and people would legit stop, and they would, like, record him, and I'm like, should I say something? Like, is that okay, you know? But I'm like, no, they're recording him because they think he's awesome, and I'm like, that's awesome. You know, I get so proud. Ne- like, I think about all my accomplishments in life, nothing matches the joy that I have compared to the joy of seeing my children succeed. My, my son is in kickboxing and wrestling, and, you know, they were sparring with other kids, and the kid that he was sparring with was going a little too hard, and I was getting, like, I was getting really angry, and I went overprotective, but then when it was his turn, he was going even harder, and I was like, oh, that's, that's awesome. You know, like, I was so happy. I was so happy. And this is the father's joy. That was a violent example. <laughs> But in the crucifixion of Jesus, we see violence as well. And in the resurrection of Jesus, as he has now defeated death, overthrown the power and principalities of this world, and has now made a pathway for salvation to all those who place their faith in him, Jesus now can see God the Father look down and be satisfied at the work in which his son has accomplished. And he rejoices The angels rejoice, and now we come together rejoicing and celebrating alongside the Father because God, he rejoices in the successes of his children. And now when we are called adopted children of God to the work of Jesus Christ, we understand that God displays his love to us by rejoicing when we come to salvation by rejoicing when he sees us living lives of obedience to him, by rejoicing at our successes, at our joys, and our growth. And this is why we celebrate Easter. And this is why we come together acknowledging the work of Jesus in our lives.